You know what really makes us mad is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah. Tell them about punk. What's up, posers? Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I am your co-host, Justin Hensley. I am your other co-host, Dylan Hensley. And this is the show where we assign our guests a year and they choose one punk, hardcore, emo, or punk-adjacent album from that year for us to talk about. Except today. Today we are doing a Patreon-sponsored episode. Uh, Insert cash register noises. Uh, (laughs) Zoo crew uh, morning sound effects. Ka-ching! And then some woman sounding yeah. seductive. <laughs> yes, this is a Patreon sponsored episode. This episode is brought to you by Steve Long, who is our $10 patron for this month. Steve is the host of the podcast Rogue One Radio, which is like a pop culture, geek culture podcast. Recently just posted an episode about the Loki TV series that I'm very looking forward to listening to. Um, so thank you so much, Steve. Uh, you chose an album. Should we reveal it now? It's in the title. Yeah, sure. Why not? It's not (laughs) a secret. (laughs) It's never a secret. We have to tag it in social media posts so people will find it. (laughs) Yeah. Someone's listening to this show for the first time because it's in the title, what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So we are talking about No Control by Bad Religion. Is this our first repeat? Hmm. I'm trying to remember now. I didn't think ahead to check to see if we've. I feel like up we've on... done someone like done an EP and also done an album by someone, but I can't. I can't recall who. You may be right. I do not remember. Oh well, doesn't matter. You may be right. <laughs> Yeah, so we're doing Bad Religion. Uh, the last time we talked about Bad Religion on the sh- as the focus of the episode was with Andy Verdecchio of the band Five Iron Frenzy, and we talked about Suffer. Fun episode, chaotic, a lot of technical difficulties at the end. <laughs> Strange episode. <laughs> I'm kind of glad we get another shot at Bad Religion. Yeah, we get to we can give them a little bit more of an academic mm-hmm. uh, rundown rather than a a uh, personal impressions. And we're talking about a different album, so we have a whole other batch of wordy songs to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this episode is a Patreon-sponsored episode, and you too can sponsor your own episode where we choose an album, where you choose the album for us to talk about. Uh, If you go over to our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash punklottopod, and you sign up for the $10 tier, and you can tell us what you want. In the past, we've done a John Moreland record brought to us by our friend Dave Brown. And so this is our second Patreon-sponsored episode. Yes, we have a soft lead on a third. Someone suggested that they were trying to, that they were considering what to punish us with. So that is an (laughs) option. If you are familiar with our show and you know our dislikes, uh, at this point, you can can pick something that you know we're going to dislike, or maybe you think we'll dislike. We might surprise you. That's always a possibility. Yeah. Obviously, there are exemptions, and we will tell you. 
if you give us something that we just can't do. Yeah. No brand new records on this show. No, yeah. No porno grind, please. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to talk about grind in general unless it's like a key band, you know? Yeah. I'll I'll talk not Napalm Death. I'll yeah. talk some power violence. Yeah. I mean, you know, just know that if you pick like, you know, a Charles Bronson record or like a Spaz record or something, it's we're gonna make the episode short. <laughs> Cause the album is probably gonna be like ten minutes long. So Yeah. Nobody go pick a Christian death record. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's any worry about that. No. And then of course we are on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Punk Lotto Pod. Email address punklottopod at gmail.com. Voicemail two oh two six eight eight punk and the substack. Is it substack.com? Or is it punklottopod.substack.com? It's that one. It's the second one. Yeah, and so that's all the plugs. That's all the good stuff. Hopefully, oh, sorry, when I'm uh, employ- unemployed in L.A., <laughs> in a very expensive apartment, I will find some time to write something for the Substack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I so, may be delivering food. So all the Patreon dollars will be going to Dylan so that he can continue to live. Yeah. I'm a soon-to-be L.A.-based podcaster. Looking forward to getting to introducing myself that way. <laughs> and I'm about to start college at 34 for the second time. First one didn't count because I didn't finish. And you That's also picked my... you also picked history. Yeah, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, but now I'm going to go to school for broadcasting and production technology, which is you know this. Yeah. So then I'll be able to say I'm a podcaster. <laughs> Uh, this show's gonna get real slick. Yeah. Once I take my uh, broadcast speech class, just wait. <laughs> it's gonna come out sounding like Tom Brokaw. <laughs> yeah, my my first two classes in person are intro <clears throat> to radio production, intro to television production. So maybe there'll be a video component with this podcast in the future. Hey, you could get a job with um. My uh, my buddy Tyler from uh, the movie theater. He works for the CW Triad. Um, he won just, a regional Emmy. Just running like cable. Yeah, I'm not sure what he does. He does a show, which that guy talk about radio voices. That guy sounded like a CNN broadcaster. Like just like <laughs> he had perfect diction. Yeah, mine's gonna be an affectation. <laughs> yeah. My weird, reedy voice. <laughs> I talk like this. You're listening to Punk Lotto Pond. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, so we normally start these episodes off with a chart section, which we're talking about kind of cutting down, considering the Patreon. We also do charts on there, too. But, you know, it's a little bit more focused version the problem is we've just done 1989 before, like not too long ago. And that's the year that this Bad Religion record came out. We just did a starting five. Uh, we did a five by five a few weeks ago that corresponded with the 89 episode on the Lookouts album, Spy Rock Road, and talked about a lot of records that came out in 89. I should have listened back to the episode with PJ to see what else we said about 89 records but i didn't and then here we are well okay so first impression 
uh, I will give you this off of the charts. 89, as we, I do recall, we did talk about at least, uh, is kind of more general talk, but it's definitely like a transitional year for music in general from 89 to 90, from hair metal to grunge, from, from new wave pop, you know, synth pop, British post punk, goth rock to grunge. That is very exemplified by, uh, the fact that Disintegration by The Cure and Bleach by Nirvana are in the same year. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Historically, it seems like those are too... Those angles are too sharp. I mean, obviously, the explanation is that Bleach was a very underground record when it first came out. So, Sub Pop was not, was not Sub Pop in 89. You know, let's look at the, like the conflicting sounds and styles so there's gothic rock post-punk with the cure there's grunge with nirvana we have a lot of noisy stuff like slint released tweeze no means no released wrong they're noisy in different ways slint is more mathy no means no is more just like arty yeah but but then too we have operation ivy's energy we have Gorilla Biscuits start today, which you can hear us talk about on our starting five. We also have records by uh, Terrorizer and Carcass and Bolt Thrower and Repulsion. Mm-hmm. Some massive grindcore records. We've got Bad Religion's Escape Punk record, but adjacent to that, we have some uh, thrash metal crossover records with Nuclear Assault. DRI, The Crucified, one of my favorites. So, like, 89 is not one thing. I mean, but most years are not just one thing. But there is a lack of a consensus or or an overall trend. Well, yeah. So, there's, like, there's... You have decade-defining sounds really butting against each other, which makes sense because it's the end of a decade. You know, we talked about we talked about that a lot when we talked about 1980. Like a lot of the stuff that's still there from the 70s. I do think that 1990 was a culturally was a pretty hard shift because I think that the 80s ran itself into the ground. So much of what exemplifies the sounds of the 80s, especially in like mainstream pop culture, started in like 1981. <laughs> And really, just everything went all in. We've talked about on on our Patreon, on our uh, some of our chart dives and some of the '80s charts, and how bad so much of it is. <laughs> yeah, because it's so '80s. It's aggressively '80s. There. So I guess the true bridge between the '80s and the '90s is the college rock, alternative rock gap that turned into the indie rock sound. So, like, ultimately, it's the same, like, timeline. College Rock just started being called Alternative Rock. And Alternative Rock was Indie Rock until it became mainstream, and then Indie Rock was the new term applied to more independent labels and bands. So, like, that's your, like, carrying theme. There is a lot of hardcore. There's still a lot of New York hardcore. Youth Crew started in the 80s, and that kind of morphed into, like, the 90s style of hardcore which was still very New York-centric until you get to, like, 
Earth Crisis, who kind of switches it up, makes things a little bit more metal. Yeah, well, you have metal, yeah. Because metal in 89 is hair metal and thrash. That's it. Those are your choices. As far as popular choices. Yeah. Death metal exists. But even then, I mean, early death metal... Is just grind. It's all thrash or it's grind. (laughs) There's a carcass record from this year. And repulsion. Like, carcass and repulsion. Yeah, it's kind of like... That's your sub... That's your, like, underground metal. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Until, like... Until, like, noise rock and thrash kind of meet up. Thrash slows down and turns into groove metal. Mm Mm-hmm. And see, those are still more, like, metal styles. Like, if you try and pick just, like, the most... The closest you can get to what you would just consider traditional punk rock. You've got Holdovers. So you've got Naked Ray Gun. They released Understand. And then you have, like, bands like Moving Targets who are doing, like, Husker Du style. Like, there's an all record. So that's the Descendants, you know, after Milo. There's... There's your there's your carryovers like Henry Rollins released a Rollins band record on the starting five we talked about Fugazi. There's a Firehose record, which by the way, I listened to that Firehose record this week from Ohio. I think I get it now. <laughs> Figured you would. That's a good one. That's a good one to get it on. Yeah. The first half especially. The second half is mostly acoustic, surprisingly, but Yeah. The second half is very Mike Watt. Yeah. Yeah, he's all over that one. You know, there's a Ramones record this year. There's a DD record. I think it's a rap record. Is it a rap record? Yeah. Standing in the spotlight. 90 is probably a better year for music. It still is not defined as like 92, 93, you know. But another bridge we have is our band we're talking about today. Yes. So Bad Religion are the bridge between... 80s LA hardcore and 90s pop punk like they're far more important than I think we give them credit for well okay yeah so there's a I'm not sure how much we talked about this when we talked about bad religion before I feel like we've kind of circled around bad religion a few times on the show and it's so like our association with them is comp comp songs yeah you know, kind of like greatest hits type stuff. I feel like they're they're in like a Tony Hawk mm-hmm. game. Tony Hawk two. Tony Hawk two. Yeah, that would be the one. Yeah. So it's they they have this legacy status that and and they have a lot of records. At least at the point when we would have become aware of them, that it becomes this kind of they become this impenetrable thing that if what you're exposed to doesn't really hook you and pull you in. It's hard to know what to do with them. Yeah. So we are talking about no control by bad religion. Before we go much further, first, we're going to hear a little recording from Steve long, who was our patron who selected this album. And he's going to tell us a little bit about what this record means to him. So, uh, Bad Religion. Uh, this is a band that has consistently been in my top five favorite bands of all time. Uh, no Control was the album that really uh, got me into them. 
I'd, I'd heard the album How Could Hell Be Any Worse previously. Um, somehow Suffer escaped my radar when it came out. But a few years after No Control came out, a guy I played in a band with at the time cranked it during a rehearsal, and I just immediately fell in love with it. <clears throat> you know, it's it's just it's a great album. My all-time favorite Bad Religion song, I Want to Conquer the World, comes from this album. The cover of it is so basic, but at the same time so incredible. You know, for an album, you know, No Control is over... 30 years old, but it's still so relevant and, you know, vibrant as it was when I first heard it way back in the early 90s. And uh, so, yeah, that's why I picked this album for Punk Lotto. With your high and mighty errand Your action speaks so loud I can't hear a word you're saying Hey sister, bleeding hard With all of your compassion Your labors through the hurt But can't assuage temptation Hey man of science With your perfect rules of measure Can you improve this place With the data that you gather Hey mother mercy Can your lungs be improved forever Is your fecundity A trammel or a treasure So I really was trying to remember, I don't remember if we talked about this on the Suffer episode or not, but like, I like to get every everyone's kind of like entry point on the band. So yeah, they're, they were the comp band for us. They were on Tony Hawk's 2, you know, the song You, which is on this album, was in that game. I Want to Conquer the World, I had heard. I'm not sure if that was a comp song or if I just had that song downloaded in college. There was a point. In my teenage years where I could have become a Bad Religion fan. I really liked the song You. They were on a couple Warped Tour compilations that I had. I liked those songs on there. They, I distinctly remember, I distinctly remember being in Walmart, kind of on a regular basis. That's where we tended to do our grocery shopping. And I remember standing there looking at the CD section, because that's what we would do. We would, like, spend forever in the CD section, scanning those, the little barcode so that it would play, like, ten seconds of, like, th- three songs each on those little, like, listening stations they had. Not even with the headphones, just, like, no. blasting it into the open air <laughs> of Walmart with tiny little, like, the worst little speakers. Yeah. Like, it was only good for you being able to go... What genre is that? And that's about it. Like, oh, that's a fast one. Is oh, this... but it's not a fast, heavy one. Is this screamy? Yeah. So I definitely remember scanning some Bad Religion CDs in there. And the one that, like, I almost pulled the trigger on a couple times was The Process of Belief. Like, that one was always there. For some reason, they had a really good selection of Bad Religion CDs at that Walmart, I remember. I remember seeing Stranger Than Fiction, The Grey Race, the one with the helicopters on the front. 
even like later, I remember seeing the Bush record, Evil Empires or whatever it's called. Empire Strikes First. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing all of those in there. And Process of Belief was the one that I, w- I would scan it every single time I went in there. Because I wanted to hear those three so- 10 seconds of three songs each. And, like, I, w- I, if I, I may have bought it. Because I already liked the song You. I'd probably heard another song on a Warped Comp. So, the thing that always held me back is that we grew up in a pretty religious Christian household. So, buying music was always this very tricky thing of will i get in trouble if i buy this cd i don't want to buy this cd and have a lot of swear words in it though it's a walmart so it's probably censored the better is just not like a super sweary band yeah but they do cuss on some songs so i mean it's it's you could hear it plus they're called bad religion so <laughs> and their symbol was a cross with a the buster sign across of it the ghostbusters sign so that probably wouldn't have gone over very well but no really, crucifications that's really what that means yeah (laughs) so i never even attempted to buy it because i would be more worried about like my parents being mad that i bought it because they would just see the track titles i wonder i should pull up the process of police track listing and see if there's anything on there that would have been even like noticeably bad like bad for me to pick nothing stands out the bad religion. I mean, bad religion being their name, probably would have been enough. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like those song titles wouldn't have got me. It would have been me listening to it that would have got me. And they're like, "What is he saying?" It's like, "I don't know. I don't have a dictionary." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that's basically saying that was I, that was my opportunity to become a bad religion fan, and I never committed to purchasing a CD, which I did not do. So then in college was when I would like kind of dabble with them. And then like I probably downloaded like a bunch of songs and I was like, these all sound the same, which is usually the biggest complaint people have for bad religion is these songs all sound the same, which is like, if you're just not paying attention, they have a style and a sound, but there's a lot there. There's there's enough there in variety, but we can get into that more too when we get into the, the meat of the record. So yeah, never got into bad religion. Missed missed the boat because of my timing on when I got into them. Yeah, I, you know my my awareness of bad religion was definitely more passive than yours. It was just hearing the hearing the Tony Hawk song and you know hearing the Warp Tour songs and comp songs and then probably whatever you downloaded in college. And it was just like yeah, all right, it's enjoyable. I didn't nothing ever really compelled me to listen to more of their music because like i said they just had too deep of a discography by the time i was interested and there was yeah probably just a very narrow window where i would have been eager to get into them and then as i got to college age i think just my my musical taste was pointed in other directions and something that I could have boiled down, that I would have boiled down to pop punk at that point just wasn't really on my radar. So, we're the guys who have a, a punk rock podcast who never had a bad religion phase. <laughs> this is our bad religion phase, which I think is kind of, I almost kind of prefer that. Yeah. Because I, I like that I I like that I never grew out of this band because I never got into this band. 
And now I can kind of just be like an adult who can really understand these songs and listen to these records and be like kind of have, you know, thoughts provoked and and think about what he's saying and not just be kind of like reactionary teenager. (laughs) You know, it's funny because like in my mind, Bad Religion almost has that same political side of like an anti-flag but that's not really fair because anti-flag are just like surface level i don't know anti-flag they're they're on the right side of history i'll give them that they're just not super eloquent with their their political analysis bad religion is far more eloquent and thought-provoking but yeah no bad religion phase means yeah you could just analyze it as an adult and the more bad religion records i listen to the more I like Bad Religion. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And it's... I enjoy having assumptions corrected, honestly. I mean, I like being able to hear a band and be like, oh, shit, this is good. Like, this is... (laughs) There's something to get into here. Like, and they have a really long discography with a lot of well-regarded records. Mm -hmm. They have a pretty long stretch with no real drops in quality. Yeah, at this point, I've probably listened to five full Bad Religion albums. So full disclosure, I have listened to this record before. So this is not like a new experience for me. Like, I've heard this album. I know it. Um, so this isn't one where, like, our John Moreland episode where, like, I didn't. I was kind of going in kind of blind. I know what this record sounds like. I know this record has some of their biggest songs. It's one of their biggest records, period. Yeah, I haven't listened to this record properly, but there are so many songs on here that you know. I mean, I Want to Conquer the World, Sanity, You. I could probably name a few others that jumped out to me. Title track. Yeah. So, yeah, like my, I guess my opinion on No Control. Oh, okay, this will be good. In our pre-discussion, when we talked about this a lot, like originally, I was saying, like, this is what we're going to be talking about. You said that you like Suffer better than this record. And at the time, I was like, hmm, that's weird. I think I like No Control better than Suffer, but that was before I re-listened. Upon re-listening, I still think I like this better than Suffer. So where did you wind up landing? Hmm. I think I might still prefer Suffer, but I think I, I think that might just be more personal uh, association of being that record where I list, really listened to Bad Religion and really absorbed what they were about and they kind of, they made a new impression on me. Whereas getting listening to this record, like, I knew what to expect from it. Like, I knew what, yeah. I knew that I was going to know a lot of these songs. I knew that it was going to sound like what you think of when you think of what Bad Religion sounds like. It's the most exemplary record in their discography. Like this is the sound of bad religion and <laughs> so there was n- there's no real surprises listening to this record but i can really appreciate it because the songs are great and i can really appreciate the workmanship of it because everyone plays really well they're super tight on this oh, record yeah. they're definitely tighter on this record than they are on suffer um, yeah for sure the production is obviously slicker a little you know better though i don't necessarily think good 
and we can talk about that. I've got a little I could say on that too later. Let's run through some stats. That's always usually a good place to start. Uh, so no control was released November second, nineteen eighty nine, on Epitaph Records. This uh, Bad Religion are a melodic hardcore slash skate punk band from Los Angeles, California, who formed in nineteen eighty and are still active today. This is their fourth full-length album. It was recorded at West Beach Recorders in Hollywood, California. The person on this record is Greg Graffin on vocals, Greg Hetson on guitar, Brett Gerwitz on guitar, Jay Bentley on bass, and Pete Finestone on drums. I believe the record was produced by the band themselves. I know Brett was very much involved with that. So, that's kind of the stats side of things. I was looking at Epitaph in 1989, and they only released three records. Which is so funny, because like now it's like, how many records do they put out a year? And in the 2000s was like their peak of releasing like so much stuff. And if you don't count Anti, you know, their indie branch. Uh, so the only other Epitaph records in 89 were S&M Airlines by NoFX and an album by a band called Little Kings, which I listened to it. It's kind of garagey. It's okay. I did not listen to NoFX. <laughs> no NoFX. Yeah. <laughs> Unless someone assigns it to us, then we'll. And that's one of those bands where it's just like, all right, we got to give, you know, you they're too the important. They right. <laughs> got to talk about it. <laughs> There's a place where everyone can be happy. It's the most beautiful place in the whole fucking world. It's made of candy canes and planes and fry red choo trains And the meanest little boys must listen little girls And you know, I wish that I could go there It's a road that I have not found And I wish you the best of luck here Drop a card or letter to my side of town Cause there's no time for fussing and fighting, my friend But baby, I'm amazed at the hate that you could send And you For sure. Yeah. It's good. Super easy to listen to. Yeah. Well, it's short. That also helps. Yeah. 26 minutes, I believe, is how long it is. I mean, I have entered my Bad Religion phase at 34. The albums I have heard are Suffer Through Recipe for Hate. I think Recipe for Hate is probably my favorite, which is, I don't know. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. It's considered one of the good ones. Uh, Gray, uh, Stranger of the Fiction is the sellout album, but whatever it's also got good songs too but i'd say there's no like the bad period of bad religion is probably what the late 90s early 2000s before the i don't know it looks like no substance in the new america are considered some of their weaker records and then like age of unreason which is the most recent one and then there's a little bit of revival during the bush era which makes sense as far as super political punk bands so yeah no no control is great it's full of fan favorite songs in fact the only songs on this record that never got played live were progress and the very final track the world won't stop until 2019 where they did one of those like whole album shows so those are the only two that had never been played all the way through which is funny because i really enjoyed progress i feel like that could have been a song they played live yeah that's really surprising that's a big to me, that seems like it would be a big song. Yeah. 
Like, I would have expected progress to get played more than, like, Billy or Anxiety. So one of the the enduring complaints that Bad Religion get is that every song sounds the same. And I don't think that's fair, especially on this album. You can maybe say that about Suffer. But Suffer was also them, like, getting back together. Brett was recently, you know, sober, like... That was like them solidifying a lineup. This is the first record they made that had the same lineup as the one before. So this is the same lineup as Suffer. So like naturally, you know, they they Suffer was also them coming back from a breakup and a prog record. <laughs> yeah. So into the unknown. Not as bad as everyone says it is. <laughs> Weird. Not even really prog in the way that you think when you hear the word prog but it's there i mean it makes sense it's more like the moody blues <laughs> really low budge elo you can understand why they'd be shy to like experiment too much i mean because you know the last time they experimented nobody liked it but i mean also they had to have known that wasn't going to get the same reaction so i i think they did i feel like they I think they did that record just being like, we're done anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were. I mean, they were yeah. They were done. They were done before that record came out. So it wasn't that they put that record out and they were like, oh, people don't like this weird uh, acoustic <laughs> prog pop record that we decided to make for some reason. Like, they were really done after hell- How Could Hell It Be Any Worse? I mean... Yeah, they're... But I could also see them being like, God, people really didn't like that album. Like, because <laughs> the backlash on that record is extreme. Like, yeah. people talk about how, like, bad that record is. Like, it's, you don't want to make the Into the Unknown <laughs> your band's version of that. It's a thing that you want to avoid as a band. <laughs> so... It was too much of a backlash. They were like, when they came back for Suffer, they were like, let's just kind of do the thing we're good at. Fast songs. So No Control actually has like some moments where they get to experiment a little more. Like there are a couple like, I'd hesitate to call them slow songs, but... Well, Progress. Yeah. We mentioned that song is kind of one of the slower, chunky... I could see why they didn't play that, because I bet you they knew their audience... Play fast. Yeah. Play fast. <laughs> but Sanity is more like a mid-tempo song. Yeah. That one actually kind of reminds me of like an 80s Ramon song. I don't know if it's just the way that he sings it that I, I get that from it, but I like the chorus on that one a lot. And it has like a weird solo towards the end of the song. Yeah, that is a... <sighs> See, that's the thing. You can't really say that these songs sound the same unless you just have no ear for melody. Because... I can just look at these lyrics and I can read the words insanity as a full-time job in a world that is always changing. And you just, you just <laughs> want to go up and do that. Like Greg is not really well. Well, I don't think that Greg actually gets the credit that he is due as a singer. I think people know that he's a good singer, but I don't, think that the average person realizes and maybe this is just where i'm coming from uh, as someone who (laughs) sings a little bit like greg (laughs) 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 
too clean for a for a punk band. Um, I just and and having spent the last like two years like aggressively working on my on my voice and my singing, um, I don't think that the average person realizes what it really takes to sing the way that he does, where he does in his range. That shit's hard. <laughs> a lot of power, a lot of sustain, right up there at the top of your chest voice, which is the range that you speak in. I have immense respect for Greg as a vocalist. Not only can he sing that, he writes those melodies. Yeah. He's also, not doubling a guitar line. Like, he's singing a distinct top line melody. Plus the ability to fit these words into the songs the way he does. Like, these are bigger words that you don't typically sing in songs a lot. So there is some awkward phrasing in places, but it's because he's trying to, like, use these certain words. Which, Brett also, like, writes half the songs of this record, too. So it's yeah. also Brett, Brett's lyrics. <clears throat> so he's using another guy's lyrics, and he's trying to, like, constructed in a way where he can get his point across contain a sense of melody and sing fast because these songs are fast if the music was slower people would probably recognize that his vo- he's a better singer than he is because the nature of skate punk is you have to go fast and it's hard to get a lot of melody when you're going and you're trying to get it in fast he his place to shine is usually on the choruses mm-hmm. and then they throw in things like those harmonies like th- i think this record is greg's best performance to date and you know his performance here is stronger than on suffer he's a better singer he's a little cleaner sounding on this record his voice also sounds a little higher i don't know if that's like just a production thing that happened but he's he's a little smoother the melodies are stronger there are more harmonies on this he's a little higher in the mix so you can hear him pretty clearly I mean, it helps that the rest of the music also is, is a little slicker sounding, and there's some serious compression issues, which I could, we could talk about in a little bit, too. But, like, I, the way I write notes for this show is that, like, I listen to the record, and I write down the song title, and then I write down the notes to the song. Like, just the things that I notice in the song. So, here's the first thing I, for change of ideas, the first thing I write, kick drum, quick intro, then picks up up driving guitars right away solid scaling chorus harmonies on change of ideas short song it is the short it's like the shortest song on the album it's like 47 seconds and so then like my next one where i mention yeah on no control i say similar intro to previous song then palm muted verse when vocals kick in cool layered vocal line between chorus and verse the same intro riff is just palm muted harmonies on second round of chorus big harmonies on bridge and in almost every song i talk about like i write down like the harmonies here like the harmonies here strong harmonies on depression on the song sanity uh harmonies on the word harmony in henchman (laughs) (laughs) good chorus with harmonies on progress on progress uh stops abruptly then they all harmonize more and it stops abruptly again that was a fun one too i want something more oh yeah so like there's way oh harmonies on man on automatic man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that's how i write my notes but like that's like the thing that stands out to me on all of these songs it's like the choruses and the harmonies like that's my favorite aspect of the band i think it's the best part of this record and i think it's why i like it better than suffer yeah i can see that so guitar wise and well bass wise you can hardly hear the bass on this record yes i think that suffers from that's the compression issue well 
Well, I mean, it's a mix issue more than it. It's a bit of it's a bit of both, I guess. It's the way that the guitars are compressed. It's the way that the drums are compressed, and everything is just a little bit out of out of balance in the mix, and you really lose the bass. And it's not that you can't hear what the bass is doing. It's that you just you lack the feeling of the presence of the bass. Yeah, this record I mentioned earlier. I don't think it's necessarily well produced. So you want to know why? Well, I, I have- I'll say I'll say this real quick. I I don't generally mess with the EQ whenever I'm listening to anything, either in the car or at home. At home, I have my stereo. Every now and then, it's like, oh, symbols are a little harsh. You know, go tap like the 7K or the 12K down one notch or something like that. But that's it. Like, I don't. I generally have my EQ curve set the way my ears are tuned <laughs> from many years of abusing them. And it works for like almost everything. Like, it, I, I rarely touch it. And in the car, that's a different, that's a whole other can of worms as far as. EQs and car stereos, but there's almost hardly ever any point. Listening to this record in the car, though, I was like, ah, 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 like I gotta fix this. Like I just, this is all <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Can't hear anything right. Except for when you hear the toms, <laughs> <laughs> which is my favorite part of the drums. Yeah. <laughs> a, a tom fill is probably my favorite thing in a, that a drummer does in songs. <laughs> Culture was the seed of liberation, but it's got it melted into an inharmonic hole, to an inharmonic hole. Consciousness has plagued us and we cannot shake it, though we think we're in control, though we think we're in control. Questions that besiege us in life are testament of our helplessness. There's no vestige of a beginning, no prospect of an end. When we all disintegrate, we'll all have been again, yeah. So, like, the guitar and the bass have sounded better in their discography. Both records on both sides of this album, they sound better. You can hear what the bass is doing much more. It's much more clear. It's also got that grit that you can hear in Suffer and Against the Grain. This one, it's just, it's, uh, it's all compressed a little bit too much, the guitar and bass especially. So, here's why. So, this was the first time they recorded on half-inch tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett put it through a compeller using a program called Aphex, because Bill Stevenson of the Descendants recommended it to him, and Brett hated it. So, then he had to spend a ton of time in the mixing to undo all the compression on the record. I've read that before. So, like, he's... Bill's like, you should try this thing. It's great. It probably works great for a Descendants record because there's a little bit more like they don't Descendants stuff. Well, I guess all this would have been all at this point. Their stuff like the instruments stand out more. I think they're also like a one guitar band. Yeah, they're a little and, more dynamic. Yeah, all in Descendants are more dynamic than Bad Religion. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. So clearly, he's just like, fuck. He he got it to a point where he liked it. But, like, there's a reason why the next record sounds more like Suffer's production than this one. Guitar-wise, there is... It's a skate punk record. So, it does the things the skate punk does. Which is an extension of Southern California, like, 
hard, American hardcore. Like it's you, you're scaling. You're doing basically up the, yeah. They're doing a scale the whole time, all power chords. So they're doing this. Yeah, they they didn't sit down. They didn't sit down and write these songs on an acoustic guitar with you know first position cowboy chords like it. Yeah, it, they're not harmonically rich, which it's you know the trade off for that being the benefit to that maybe being that you can layer the vocals in the interesting ways that they did on this record. Mm-hmm. Well, too, they also play fast enough that like it doesn't quite feel as tired as like. If there were bands that still sounded like Black Flag, Jealous Again, in 89, like, people would be like, what are you doing? Like, this is, New York Hardcore wasn't doing that anymore. You know, Youth Crew stuff, Youth of Today kind of early, but DC had progressed beyond that traditional hardcore scale. So, they're playing fast enough, too, that it's just kind of like, all right, it's it's there, it's driving. Well, there they, are a few- they figured out the octave chords. <laughs> That's that's the thing that's missing from early hardcore. Y'all have those sweet octaves. <laughs> so there, uh, a drawback on is a lot of these tracks do have opening riffs that are too similar to other opening riffs. So like the title track starts almost identically to the previous track, Big Bang. They switch it by doing a palm mute once the vocals start. And then like sometimes I feel like has a unique little guitar flourish or riff with some effect effect on it that they're it's that one that's got i don't even know how you describe it it's just like this weird like i don't know it's noisy it's it kind of like hints at like this weird proggy element that they used to do i don't know it's a it's a tough one it pops up a bunch in sometimes i feel like it has to be like effects on it or something you really hear it between the chorus and the second verse what do you call that i had to listen to it to, to see I don't know exactly what it is. It sounds like maybe a flanger, and he's just kind of going like (laughs) doing like maybe just like sliding his hand up and down the neck and and scraping the pick. It's very naked ray gun, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely more of like a Midwest, you know, noisy hardcore thing to do. That song too, though, like it has this really cool like ringing feedback thing that's on the bridge. And it like leads right into that saying like, <laughs> but there's also like the you know the the kind of surfy Mediterranean riffs that like Agent Orange would do, which I guess that's a staple of skate punk too, because the Offspring would rip that off all the time. Like yeah. I f- I feel like well the Offspring were also on Epitaph, so they were definitely Bad Religion fans. But like Automatic Man and the World Won't Stop, like those those, those have very similar riffs, and I'm like yeah, the Offspring does that. Too like they just stole those riffs. <laughs> it's not stealing though. I guess if you're in the same scene, maybe I don't know. The Offspring are a very different thing though. Yeah, <laughs> the same but different. Yeah, but there's like experimentation on tracks like Billy and Progress. I, I did feel like that. I want something else had a similar opening riff to I Want to Conquer the World, which makes me think that was done on purpose. Mm-hmm. They are both called I Want, you know, songs. Uh, speaking of I Want to Conquer the World, I'd miss the point of that song for the longest time. It's not what it sounds like. Right. Right. It's not what everyone says. That Man, if I was the... I would do this if I was the... It's it's talking about the different types of people who say that kind of thing and how it's like you can't 
if you conquered the world, you couldn't do it. There's too much going on. It's meant to be like, everybody thinks they have the answer and how to fix it. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's for a band with a crossed out cross logo <laughs> and you hear, I want to conquer the world, give all the idiots a brand new religion. They're called bad religion. You kind of, it, it gives you that like, kind of like real hardline atheist thing where it's like ooh, it's <laughs> a little fash isn't it and that is the point of that song right and it's it's exactly that like he's saying you can't be a fascist like you yeah. know <laughs> that's not that's not better <laughs> that's the kind that's the kind of thing that you need to be a little older to get which is yeah what i i appreciate about listening to them now where it's like ah He's not saying this from his perspective of what he wants. Yeah, yeah. Did you read much of the lyrics? Not specifically. I didn't sit down to read them. They're very legible. Yeah. <laughs> in listening to them, so it's not too hard to... I mean, there's probably some some nuance that's worth sitting down and like actually reading and analyzing. I, I read through all the lyrics, and there's like, I don't know. Maybe it's because the record came out in 89. Reading it, I wasn't like, wow. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't have any, like, new illuminating thoughts from reading the lyrics to these songs. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. You know, like that kind of stuff. Like, he's very much focused on cultural. Like, it's interesting, because his, his style of lyrics, you would, like, Bad Religion, they're like that super political band. And the lyrics aren't so much political is they're more like socially conscious and more about like changing the ways we think than it is about like fuck George Bush you know like <laughs> it's not dead Kennedys or anti-flag yeah it's definitely not yeah it's definitely not like these are issues of uh one political party and if they were, you know, out of power. It's definitely saying there's something seriously wrong with the way power is structured in our country. Like mm-hmm. that's the way that they're political. I feel like, yeah, they they have they managed to stay political in a way that retain you know is relevant still because they avoid staying saying like hyper specific things. Which may be why like some of that Bush era stuff is probably not like as well regarded because it was very much like foot george bush (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was kind of a thing that everyone just had to do it was kind of (laughs) it was just like nope 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 we gotta say this we gotta do this Mm -hmm. like and i'm and the reagan stuff like i i get that too like i feel like that definitely reagan was too popular Mm -hmm. and it it was helpful to be very specific i guess (laughs) yeah you know Propaganda is probably the other, like, smart political punk band that people still think of as smart and politically punk. Like, people aren't going like, wow, that Jello Biafra sure is uh, still on it. You know, like, as he just put out a record this year that was about, what was that called? It was something that was like, that was a early Obama era thing. I can't remember what, like, I, I have to pull it up because it, it was too dumb to be like this is too late to be talking about this specific thing see if i can find that album title it's a guantanamo school of medicine record and it is called tea party revenge porn that's 
right. In 2020, he's writing an album around the Tea Party. Jello, what are you doing, man? Propaganda do like you know Jello's like. Well, at least he's not a Republican. Republican like the rest of the dead Kennedys. Um, you know he's on the right side, and I think that he was enough ahead <laughs> early on as far as being like you know, being pro LGBT and being you know talking about homelessness. Uh, you know, he has a song on that record called Taliban USA. <sighs> he also has a song called No More Selfies. It's five minutes long. Jesus. He just have a song called We Created Putin. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, Jello was like, I did the work. <laughs> I still vote Green Party. I was criticizing Jerry Brown. Right. So, I mean, I get it. <clears throat> but what I was basically saying is like, propaganda are more in the bad religion camp than anti. Here we go. Bad religion is to propaganda as Dead Kennedy's is to anti-flag <laughs> or green day's american idiot <laughs> yeah yeah i mean american idiot was at least timely i mean the dead kidneys were timely yeah but uh like anti-flag just has kind of like fuck the government type lyrics that are <laughs> just like i agree with you but say more <laughs> go on <laughs> gotta die for your government Die for your country, that shit. So. Anti-flag is something that you ch- is you something that you chant at a protest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> bad religion is re reading bad religion lyrics or listening to a bad religion record and paying attention special attention to the lyrics is like going to maybe like a a DSA chapter meeting, <laughs> and you get a lot to chew on. And think about, and there's like a keynote speaker or something like that. You go home and you think about bad religion lyrics. You don't yell yeah. them. <laughs> so it was their best-selling album to date. It was their and their fourth highest-selling album overall. The, the The most recent stats show it selling eighty thousand copies. I don't know where that cuts off at. Uh, anyway, it, it um, but according to Spotify, No Control is their most popular album. Uh, it has their most listens. Uh, it has three tracks from this album in the top tracks. You is their third most popular track after American Jesus and 21st Century Digital Boy. Uh, this is also the only album in the Spotify top 10 that has multiple songs from the same record. So, like, the rest of the top 10 is all just w- single entries from whatever album they're from. No duplicates. So, that I mean, with this being the most popular record, that makes sense in the stats. Uh, Rate Your Music calls it the most popular album. It's tied with Suffer as the second highest rated album behind Against the Grain, uh, which is interesting because I've listened to Against the Grain and I definitely like this record more. Um, Last FM says it's their second most popular album behind Stranger Than Fiction. Interesting. I'm assuming Last FM's is pure raw stats because of like when it was created, whereas Spotify is probably using more of an algorithm. It's probably more like in recent times this is the more popular record well it's gonna be what is most consistently popular yeah yeah whereas strangers of fiction is purely the numbers and it was probably during a period when people were using last fm more 
It's yeah. not being used the way it used to be. Because also, like, The Empire Strikes Last, or whatever that one's called, was, like, their number three most listened to record on there. And I'm like, it's not now. <laughs> it's yeah. just, when that album came out, that's when the most people were using Last FM. So, <laughs> the album's iconic. God, I love the album cover so much. Just the choices in the colors and the stencil. Like, it's it, it's very much of its time. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like... You see this album cover, and you're like, oh, it's going to be some funky shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does definitely look more like how, like, rap albums in, like, the early 90s looked. Yeah, it looks Whoa. like, uh, yeah, it looks like, um, oh, what would, it, what would it be? Who would put out an album cover like this? Color Me Bad? <laughs> like a Ghetto Boys record or something? <laughs> the Fat Boys? Bismarcky? <laughs> R.I.P.? Yeah, the colorfulness makes me think of like a Tribe Called Quest record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy who did the cover was just like this dude who's done hundreds of album covers for record labels. I don't know how they got a hold of him because he was doing like major label artwork. And like that artwork is like all photos. Like it's just like, here's a country singer. Here's Cher. Here's, you know, like <laughs> big, big names. And then he in the middle of it, he does this record too. Very interesting. Wasn't there a band that just put out a record that has artwork that's very similar to this? Was it that band that got canceled with culture in their name? What was that band's name? <laughs> I'm glad I can't remember. Bay, I think was the name of the album. Yeah. Bay Dream. Bay culture Dream. Abuse. They got canceled. Um, definitely, right. definitely riffing on that. It's It's a direct reference. The Bad Religion album cover. Yeah, I mean, it's not as colorful as that one, but it's definitely, like, yeah, doing a take on this one. Book that band. Um, I don't remember remember what he did, but it's I remember they got canceled, so fuck them. Uh, favorite tracks? You. I mean, you is too good. You and I Want to Conquer the World are just, like, so easy to sing along with. But I really like No Control. Yeah, that first verse on No Control, the way he sings into an... Into an inharmonic hole. <laughs> in, he repeats it twice, and I'm like, man, that's good. Like, I don't know what it is. It's there's just something about that the sound of that those words, the way it locks in rhythmically, just like that phrasing. It's very satisfying. <laughs> like that alone is just makes that song one of my favorites. <laughs> and then the chorus is great. Yeah, I also liked it. Must look pretty appealing that one has like this like who sounding r- intro riff like down down like just like a big ring out riff then like kicks into like that cali riff i really like that one i'd say anxiety and billy are probably my least favorite and the world won't stop like it's one of those ones where i was just like okay i'm ready for the album to be over with and it's not a very long record but it's just like it suffers from being towards the end of the record not stand not stand out enough to close the record on a high note. Yeah. But we have come to the end of my notes. Do you have any final thoughts on this record that you'd like to convey? No, not really. I think we uh I think we did a pretty good job of covering this. Yeah. I hope I hope Steve you liked it. <laughs> we went off some of our little tangents, but you know, I think you're more interested in our take than necessarily being like Here's the history. They're also one of those bands, too, that, like, the history of each record is not that, like, storied. 
you know. Yeah. It's, we made records. That's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> they were a pretty consistent lineup for a while, too. So, yeah. Uh, well, thanks so much, Steve, for choosing this record for us to talk about. And like we said before, if you want to be the next person to choose what we talk about, head over to our Patreon and pledge $10. If you don't want to do that, then you can uh, pledge a dollar and get access to all of our weekly bonus audio, which we did a starting five this week. We always wrap it up with some charities. I'm trying to think of a good one. I haven't... I didn't plan ahead trying to think of what's the big thing that's kind of on people's mind right now i think we're on the verge of another mask mandate and some shutdowns so it's a great time for me to try and go to college so please get vaccinated everyone jesus please please get vaccinated if you can please wear a mask even if you are vaccinated please encourage everyone that you know to wear a mask even if they are vaccinated it's really silly we should have never stopped wearing them I hope that the majority of our listeners continued to wear their masks. I think they, they did. <laughs> um, with that comes the everything that we experienced the last time things shut down. People aren't going to be able to go to work. People are going to struggle financially. I'm always, I always talk about this. I feel like this is always my go-to, but it bears repeating, especially in light of, of that. Um, give to your community directly through mutual aid just research your city or town mutual aid if nothing comes up maybe consider starting that <laughs> uh if you have the resources to do, to do that and the time to do that obviously that's a big commitment but yeah find a local mutual aid organization they most major cities are going to have them and in, it's in major cities where you're going to deal with a large number of people who are in direct need because i mean people just are going to go to the big cities um specifically i'm thinking of people who are unhoused that problem's not going away and it's gonna get worse so please please give to that community and to your community they're your community (laughs) yeah yep that's probably a good good area to focus on uh have the housing have the um the moratoriums on evictions run out yet think so Uh, you know maybe not necessarily in the most in the more progressive cities i'm pretty sure they have expired if they haven't there they may be about to so it's gonna be a lot of people who need some help so yeah look into that i mean you know how to use the internet you're all smart people but that'll do it for us this week thank you so much for listening and smell you later (laughs) 